0: footballers welcome to another edition of living the stream i'm jj zacharyson the late round quarterback and i'm joined by my co-host denny carter denny what is cracking in maryland
1: uh well it's still winter here i don't know if you heard uh we uh we once had a 70 degree day but since then it's been about like 45 degrees and it's driven me driven me back to reading depressing stuff about uh tight end statistics from last year so that's that's what i've been doing lately
0: that's rough well, you know, you're not the only one on the line here, because we also have fellow LRQB writer Phil Culbertson as our first guest, guest ever on Living the Stream. Hey, yeah. Phil, you should feel a little bit yeah. honored there. You really should.
2: <laughs> well, I've been, uh, you know, I listen all the time, and I was like, I'd love to, you know, get on a podcast whenever the opportunity strikes, and kind of striked and i went for it
1: <laughs> heck yeah well you're, you're uh you're, you're not getting paid like the usual guests so just know that okay okay yeah. which is which which is no one ever which is not which is no one but it, it's it's coming it's coming don't worry
0: yeah well so you know the draft is over and uh draft nicks are slowly switching gears to the actual nfl season and for with that that means fantasy football and we've all three of us have been in fantasy football land well before the draft um but now that that the draft is over uh there's certainly been quite a shakeup you know last weekend uh we saw every position obviously get deeper but i think the one position that got much deeper uh was the running back position um there there were four guys uh three probably more specifically in Eddie Lacy um Monty Ball, uh, Le'Veon Bell, and Giovanni Bernard that uh, are going to impact the fantasy football landscape quite a bit uh, entering the season. And I think that all of us can agree that it's based more on opportunity than anything else. Um, so, you know, we're just going to kind of run through those guys, see how you would rank those guys within themselves, and then where we would kind of place them within our actual rankings. So, Denny, do you want to start off and, and just kind of talk about about those guys uh about lacy bell and ball and maybe a little bit about bernard um and just kind of where you see them fitting in next season
1: yeah well you know i for a long time i uh, pretended like i wasn't interested in the draft because um just all all the chatter i see all day kind of turned me off but um but i am definitely interested in the the sudden depth at running back it it's it sort of uh makes you less um, anxious to to grab you know three or four running backs right off the back, right off the bat in, in mock drafts. Um, I would say of all those guys, uh, the one who has the most immediate fantasy value ha- has to be Le- Levon Bell uh, out of Michigan state. Um, I know he's gonna be uh, jJ's boy being a stealer and everything. The re- I mean the reason I'd say that mostly is because Todd Haley, Traditionally, uh, it, it likes to go uh, with uh, with with one back over over a committee approach. I think last year was different because you had Rashard Mendenhall coming back from an injury. You had uh, uh, <laughs> God, the guy's name escapes me, uh, Isaac Redmond. Redmond and Dwyer. Red, yeah. Red, Redmond stunk in limited opportunities, and then uh, Dwyer had his moments. But I think proved that he's clearly not in every down back.
0: I- I did shed a single tear though for Jonathan Dwyer. Yeah,
1: I know, I know. He's your boy, and I, I used He's him my boy. times last year, and you really rooted for him. I, I rooted for him, but I think I think Bell is is a is a really work workhorse type of back. I think he showed that Michigan State, uh, who's going to get a lot of action. He's the guy. Who immediately jumps off the board? Now, saying that, I think we'll remember two years ago the exact same thing was said about Daniel Thomas right off the the week after the draft. People said, you know, this guy has immediate fantasy relevance, and we all know how that turned out. So,
0: yeah, it's, I mean, that's a great point. I think that that goes for for all rookies, uh, given that they haven't played a single snap in the NFL. So obviously, a lot of this is uh, speculation at this point, considering they were drafted three days ago. Uh, Phil, if you could take one of those guys, which one would you take in a redraft?
2: Well, um, when I'm looking at these three, I've got to first figure out um, if, you know, I'm going to be drafting um, somebody that I think has a lot of talent or, um, you know, if I'm going to focus more on situation. Um, Me, kind of how I approach fantasy is, um, you know, specifically opportunity and situations um, and, I mean, when you look through this, Bell definitely has the most opportunity. Um, I think I like Ball. Um, maybe he has a little more talent. I kind of like him more as uh, a running back in general. But, I mean, didn't we have, like, last week, John Elway came out and said something like, uh, McGahee is the running back of Denver's future or something to that effect. So I don't know that the opportunity is really going to be there for Ball. Now, maybe that changes because, you know, you know now they've drafted him and maybe uh, their approach to running back's is going to be different but i think bell's got the best situation um lacy's got a lot of talent too but you know i was kind of running through um any notable running back that green bay has had um recently and a lot of them when i was writing down notes i said you know benson was kind of subpar in the few games he played um a lot of other running backs were nothing exciting you know their out of stats and Even when we looked at it from a week to week basis, there weren't um, any really uh, weeks that really just stuck out where, you know, one of the running backs just killed it. Um, The one person I did like, and I kind of wish we could have seen him in a full workload this year um, in Green Bay was Dwan Harris, but I don't think that, I don't know that that's going to happen now that they've drafted Lacey. But all in all, I think I'm going to be targeting Bell, um, but, you know, if I can, uh, snag Lacey or Ball just as a uh, kind of maybe a little bit of a value flyer then I'll go for them too.
1: Yeah, no the 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 Harris bandwagon is over and th- thankfully because that guy was never going to be a featured back and I was kind of tired of seeing him go as like a legit running back in mock drafts. So I think that that's over now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean and yeah. it's it's definitely over considering uh they got Jonathan Franklin who was a, a draft nick favorite uh throughout the throughout the uh the pre-draft era and i th- i think that uh you know with with lacy is you know he's got he i mean he dropped in the draft for a reason uh because and it's because he has injury woes he's got a bad toe i think he's got some knee issues uh you know it, if he was a a healthy back i would i would almost be certain a team like the steelers would have jumped on him and drafted him maybe even the bengals would have in the early second round so i think you know, part of this, part of what we need to all realize, I think, with these rookie backs, is that there's a reason they dropped to the second round. Where, if you look back in in you know recent memory at running backs who have succeeded uh, as rookies when they were projected to do well as rookies, you really have to go back to uh, Adrian Peterson or Marshawn Lynch because, but those guys were also top talent coming out of school. And so now you have this group, these group of running, this group of running backs where the, each of them have some sort of question mark. You have, you know, Monty Ball rushed, for over, or rushed over a thousand times in college. Bell had, uh, you know, he, he's not the, he just had a great combine. He's not necessarily the best talent out there. And then you have Lacey with his injury woes, and then you have Jonathan Franklin, for whatever reason, dropped to the fourth round. So I think we all have to temper our expectations with these running backs. I mean, for me personally, I think I would go Ball, Bell, Lacy, and then Bernard. But you know, I'm not really that high on any of them. It's it's very hard for me to be high on any of them. Right. Uh, I think I think from a value standpoint, though, we have to be. I think that's I think that's what matters with running backs. And we're going to get into our sleepers a little bit. But I think what we really really need to recognize with these running backs is that Bell or Ball or Lacey are probably going to go a few rounds er- earlier than Giovanni Bernard. And if we're talking about opportunity. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis is about as good as you and me. So, uh, you know, he, <laughs> Giovanni Bernard can certainly take over that starting role, and and I think that he could be the most valuable from a draft perspective uh, of the four entering the season. Yeah, you know,
1: uh, is, it, is it Monty Ball or Monte Ball? I, I never know.
0: Mon, I'm Monte, I,
1: yeah. I you can I just kind of go back and forth. So we'll just say Ball for now, and uh, you know, uh, I've I've heard people say people knock Ball for a, kind of a lack of athleticism you know he, he doesn't really jump off the charts as far as measurables go but you know who else was not all that athletic no Sean Moreno and last year yeah. he tore it to shreds in the last three or four games of the season was a was a fantasy dream come true for anybody who picked him up off the wire you don't have to be good to succeed uh in Peyton Manning's backfield you, you just sure. don't so if somebody is getting the ball as a as a work workhorse back in that uh, in that offense, I I want them.
0: I think you just answered the question. If someone's going to be getting the ball, uh, get it? You go. Uh,
1: hey Yeah, hey. you like that? Hey, hey. A little play on words. Good joke. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I think you're exactly right. They throw anyone back there, and they're going to be a, a, a successful at least moderate uh, low end RB two probably at the least as long as they're the guy getting touches. I mean, they have Ronnie Hillman, who's a, who's undersized, which is going to be an issue. Obviously No Sean Moreno's there who has had his up and ups and downs in his career. I mean, really the only good the the only time that No Sean Moreno has played well at all has been whenever he had Peyton Manning towards the end of last season. So, you know, I think I think though, you know, Monty Ball will be the one that's that's in that position if he gets the touches, so he could be a pretty valuable asset in fantasy. But again, I think we're all in agreement that uh none of them are, are really gonna be all that worthwhile because the position got a little bit deeper. I mean from from 2011 or from 2012 to this year, the position has changed dramatically and one guy that uh, is certainly going to be drafted higher than he was last year is Chris Ivory, who he uh, you know who was the, has been the Saints backup running back for quite some time, had some injury woes always comes into games and just tears it up. I was watching some highlights before this uh, podcast, and I wanted to run through a wall. I was so excited. Uh, so, you, you know, where you know, he was drafted to the Jets as a fourth-rounder, uh, or for a fourth-rounder. Uh, where do you guys view him? Uh, I'll start with Phil. Where do you view him uh, in fantasy next season?
2: Um, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I, I think I'll be definitely more high on him. Um, than I probably would have been most other running backs that the Jets could have picked up or plugged in or, you know, gave the ball to for any kind of plotting amount of time. But, um, you know, I, I think I'll be pretty high on him. Um, I, I do have a little bit of an issue, um, with kind of anybody in, uh, the Jets backfield. Um, and that kind of, you know, hurt me from grabbing Sean green and, plugging him in when he's had some decent weeks um, just because it's really hard for that offense to get going at all. Um, Although, you know, they do have a really pretty decent run game. Um, If they can't really get any momentum, then um, the work's not going to be there. And I think we kind of saw that a couple of times um, last year with the Jets that, you know, I mean, they were God awful in general, but... There were games where you know they would give Sean Green the ball for two downs, and then they'd try to convert on third, and it just stalled. And when they stall, the running back's not going to get any opportunity to keep going. Um, so I, I mean, I I'm a little more high on him. Um, I'm maybe a little skeptical. I'd maybe target him, um, you know, maybe as a I'd want him as a flex, but you know, maybe if push came to shove, I could. Maybe take some risk and take him as a running back too, if I had to. Um, but I I hope that his ADP doesn't get up that high. Um, but who knows? You know, people uh, people can get really really excited about somebody when they see any kind of opportunity for uh, you know a uptick in production. So. Yeah.
1: Phil, what if you saw uh, Chris Ivory eat Sean Green's liver? Would that change your mind? Because
0: (laughs) I think think
1: that's a distinct possibility. And the the way they play, I mean, Ivory plays with a ferocity that is pretty rare. I mean, not only is he talented, but the effort is, the effort is, is, you know, off the charts when you see him play in his few opportunities. I remember against um, maybe the Falcons on a Monday night, he got a few carries, and just just honestly just humiliated defenders uh so I, I think that 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 combination of skill and effort make him uh a uh a, a much more formidable option even in a bad offense than than a sean green plotter type
0: yeah you know i'm I'm actually looking at sean Green's stats right now he only had two 100 yard games last year which to be fair, I think I think fantasy owners and people in general overrate uh, 100 yard games, thinking that you need to hit 100 yards every single game. When in fact, that would be a 1600 yard season. Uh, but he 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 had that monster week six game I think it was against Indy, where he he rushed for 161 yards and three touchdowns, and that certainly skewed a lot of his fantasy data, um, you know, favorably. So Sean Green finishes a top 20 back last year. The one thing with Ivory, he can certainly—I mean, he's—he's he's better. He's obviously better. He's way better than Sean Green. There's no doubt about it. And actually, he got a better—or he got a—he uh, got less money to play for the Jets than Sean Green did for the Titans. So everyone that's listening right now should probably be shaking their heads. Uh, but, but the thing is with Ivory is his his injury woes and the way that he does play and that bruising style. He hasn't been able to stay on the field, and he also has had some fumble issues, fumbling issues, which you know for the Saints, I think. I think they were able to, to look at Ivory and say, you know, okay, yeah, we can plug him in if he's going to play at Chris Ivory, what the way that Chris Ivory can play, then we're going to continue to ride him. But if he does fumble or if he does get hurt, yeah, we're, we're all right with backing off a little bit because Drew Brees is our quarterback. Well, guess what? With the Jets, who are they going to back? Who who are they going to go to? Mike Goodson? I mean, they, they don't they don't really have anyone else that they can rely on in that running game. Uh, blow Powell. I mean, do or uh, where, where, what do we do, right? So I think because of that, Chris Ivory certainly has uh, some fantasy value, and I I don't think that we should necessarily overrate the fumbling issues because there's nowhere else to go in New York. Although we should be cognizant about his uh, his injury woes. Sure. You don't think
1: Goodson is a legit option behind him?
0: No. Is that is that a real question? I don't know. I, I can't I, I, I can't tell I, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic with that question no, no, because some
1: pe- he's he's clearly not. I mean, Goodson's not. <laughs> you give the ball
0: to twenty times, but right. No, I he's. I think Goodson's shown that he's a he's a very good back. I mean, he played well in Carolina, and I I I think that he's. I think that he's capable of taking touches from Ivory, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that he's going to take a significant amount to the point. You know, like like Sean Green last year, again, I'm looking at this, he got 20 touches four four times in four four different games last season. So it's not like, you know, I don't think Ivory needs the 276 touches even that Sean Green got last year to be effective. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree, yeah. Absolutely. So even even if Goodson does uh, you know jump in and take some carries, I, I don't think Goodson's a, a a lead back by any means. He's been a third third down back throughout his career. But that's another thing is that he could be uh, the Jets' third down back, and he will be the, the Jets' third down back, which will take away from Ivory's uh, you know allure a little bit.
1: Yeah, he won't be an every down back, I don't think. But that's okay. I mean, you know the at the ADP where you're going to draft him, you're not expecting an every down back.
0: Right. I mean, if he gets if he if if Ivory gets 230 carries next season, which would assume that he's you know pretty healthy, might miss a game or two. If he gets like 230 240 carries, he'll be an RB two. Mm-hmm. I would I would I would feel confident
2: with that. You're saying yeah. Ivory would be an RB two? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I think he could even go higher than that, really. Sure. Um, if he gets if he gets. Around 200 carries. I mean, if you look back, I'm try. I went back and looked, and um, in 2010, he had, uh, you know, with the Saints, he actually played a fair amount, um, considering everything, and he had a pretty good season. Um, you know, he had a, a game with a, over 158 yards, again close to 100. Um, you know, a couple of multiple touchdown games. I mean, if 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 the Jets commit to him, and you know, maybe he's the spark that gets them going, and they can do something on offense. He, I mean, his upside's definitely there. Um, but there's, but there's also significant risk drafting anything that has to do with the Jets' offense.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and one thing, you know, whenever Ivory got traded, I just I had like a just a reaction tweet uh, where I said that I would rank him around an RB25, the 25th ranked running back. I have him after I did my rankings, I ranked him at RB24, and I think a lot of it had to do with that the position is just deeper. It's deeper than it was last year, and I think people need to realize before they, you know, just jump to these conclusions, you know, they really need to look at that 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 big picture and see what else is out there at running back. I mean, I would would you would you take him? let's play a little game real quick. would you guys take him over Ryan Matthews?
2: oh yeah, in a heartbeat
1: any, uh, would you... I, I yes, I suppose I would I mean I'm not saying for sure uh, but, but yes, I guess I would in
0: a in a standard league would you take him over Reggie
2: Bush no mm, i'd I'd actually I'd actually go Bush there I think
0: hang on I'm gonna pull up some more names you guys got any names <laughs> that, that...
1: This is, a, uh, this is
0: a fun game. Where
1: let's play, let's play. Um mm, let's see. Ivory uh McFadden.
2: I'd take McFadden. Ooh. Uh McFadden broke my heart last year. <laughs> hey. Yeah, uh, me
0: too, but I'm such a McFadden whore. I it's think, ridiculous. I
2: think I would go McFadden there. Just just to hope again. I don't know.
0: What oh. about uh what what if we what about Frank Gore? <laughs> You
1: know I, I, I I've been on the the bandwagon the huge bandwagon of people just waiting for 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 Gore's tires to go flat you know just like now we're waiting for um, for uh, you know Ben Jarvis Green uh, legs to fall out from underneath them so um, I would say ivory I, but but I'm, but I'm a hater I, I can't I, I'm a gore hater for a long time so I, I can't I can't really speak objectively there
2: I kind of I kind of like Gore. I don't know. I I'm I'm actually looking at my profile that I wrote because I was definitely a little high on him. Um, probably a little more than most, I guess. But I mean, he's just consistent. Like, is he is he fantastic? Is he explosive? Is he you know your running back one? No, but I think he's he's a pretty pretty consistent running back too. And you always seem to be able to get them there. And depending on your league, sometimes you can get them at a decent discount. So I, I think I'd go with Gore. But as you can tell, you know, people are all over the place on Gore. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. I think one guy, how about this one? Well, this will be the last one that we'll do. But what about Lamar Miller?
1: You know, I, um, I'm probably in the minority here, um, but I would go Miller there. I think Phil?
2: I'd be okay going. I'd I'd be okay going with Miller. I think, think I I'd... think I think the Dolphins can pick up a little bit this year, and um, I think they might come into form. And I think I think Miller's going to be a decent part of that. So I I would probably go with Miller. Okay. The, right.
1: the the only reason I say that is because the Dolphins are so down on Daniel Thomas that, that, that I mean no one is even pretending that it's going to be a timeshare. They're. There, you know, Miller's going to get every opportunity to seize that backfield, and I think that, you know, he might accidentally become a, a, a fantasy asset. I mean, he, he's it's not even he, he's not going to have to fight for for much of anything with the way that the franchise feels um, yeah. about Thomas. And I actually wanted to add just real quick, I really meant to say this during the the rookie segment, um, but uh, I, this is something that I'm going to keep in mind. I think everybody should keep in mind as they approach. Uh, rookies in their mocks and eventually in their real drafts and in, in however many months uh rotoviz which is a great site run by fantasy douche uh had this great uh piece on on rookie backs and the main takeaway was uh the nfl draft pick number is has a decent correlation with running back fantasy points per game so it's not much of one but there is some correlation uh the second point was that NFL draft picks uh that where you're picked in the NFL draft doesn't explain uh hardly any amount of fantasy points per touch so um interesting uh that that's really something uh to keep in mind uh, especially with like the, that green bay backfield that that to me is is going to be a mess something to avoid but just i like there i would not bank Uh, not at all on Lacey being the guy to own out of those two rookies at all. So just everybody, you know, kind of cool their jets on, on that, uh, on that Lacey front.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's interesting too. If we, if we look at uh, from some of the stuff, some of the research that I've done, if we look at uh, those rookie backs and this could transition nicely into some of the sleepers that we saw out of the draft. If we, if we look at rookie running backs really, the guys with the ADPs in the later rounds have produced just as well as the rookie running backs in the early rounds uh, that that have gone so I, I I actually just recently wrote an article about this on late round com but uh, you know we can't use recency bias which Phil wrote about on LateRoundQB.com. Uh, you know we, we can't use recency bias if we're trying to uh, dictate how these rookie running backs are going to do because not only last year did Trent Richardson and Doug Martin both have. You know, relatively monster years considering they were rookie running backs, but they were both drafted in the second and third rounds of, of drafts, which uh, it only happened last year because the position was so thin. And I, I think that what we need to realize is that, is, is that, well, Vic Ballard and Alfred Morris also did pretty well. And and if you look back at history, there are a ton of other guys, Steve Slayton. Uh, I mean, there's there's a ton of guys that produced just as well that you drafted in the 10th 11th 13th 14th round as compared to someone who's drafted in say the fourth or the fifth so with that are there any uh runners that you guys could see going late some of those rookie running backs that, that could go late um that could end up you know jumping and hurdling some of those earlier round potential running backs like a bell ball or lacy
1: ooh, ooh, can i go yeah go denny go all right good uh so, um I know this is uh, you know, draft nick favorite here and maybe maybe I've bought into a little bit, but Zach Stacy who uh was picked by the Rams, he's out of Vanderbilt. Um I I really just after reading a bunch of stuff on, on Stacy today and, and how the Rams feel about him, they they considered him a home run um draft pick for their backfield. There's no reason why this guy can't can't take over this backfield or at least be a productive, prominent part of the Rams backfield. Um, uh, Daryl, Daryl Richardson and Isaiah Pede are both, you know, relatively unimpressive backs. I know Isaiah Pede is kind of a sexy pick to, um, to run away with that job and to be a franchise type guy. And there is some argument to be made, um, especially because he missed uh, so much of training camp last year with the uh, weird, Cincinnati university of cincinnati um graduation schedule so i know that that played a role um but the, but this guy stacy is uh, a a legit guy who's more in the mold of a featured back in the nfl uh and i really like him as someone to stash maybe if you have a deep bench and redrafts and obviously in dynasty you know people are going to be you know murdering each other to to grab this guy um uh, this year, so I, he's the guy I'm. I'm gonna watch.
0: Yeah, and you know another thing to point out with Stacy too is he's so much bigger than than Richardson and Peed. Uh, Peed's Pede. a sub 200 pound guy. Richardson, I think, is listed at like 205. But, but then Stacy, I mean, he's automatically going to get goal line carries. So that in and of itself should be kind of alluring enough for you to want to go out and, and draft him late as a potential fill in for a week if a guy gets hurt and then another guy's on a bye at the very least but then given the upside with Pede and Richardson both being young unproven guys i mean Stacy's right there to be the the potential uh Steven Jackson replacement Can i
1: ask, can i ask you guys a question about Stacy's situation uh, is there anything is there anything about the these the situation he's entering that that screams you know a warning to fantasy owners i mean for me i just don't i don't see i don't see anybody where i'm like you know what there's no way he can take that job from isaiah pete i mean you know it's just it just doesn't strike me as something that is uh unlikely to happen uh in fact i think it's probably more likely to happen in the in in the long run uh judging from the way Pete was used and the lack of confidence that the coaching staff had in him throughout last year i think he got 10 carries last year is that right
0: right yeah it was something it was very very low i i, I kind of equated think of of kind of how vic ballard came into his role in, in indianapolis last year i know a lot of it had to do with donald brown and his his injury problems but i think you know there there wasn't much of a backfield in indianapolis to begin with donald brown was a high draft pick who just kind of didn't live up to expectations. Vic Ballard, that bigger kind of plotter running back, stepping in was still a pretty relevant fantasy guy towards the second half of the season. So I think Stacy could be... You know, you know, you draft Stacey, but don't don't be alarmed if he doesn't perform right off the bat. And I think I think we should feel that way about the Rams' offense in general, given how new and fresh it is. I, I mean, would you guys agree with that?
1: Yeah, no. If you, if you approach that with impatience, then you're in for a horrible first month or two of the season. It's going to take some time to shake out, and to expect immediate results from a guy like Stacey. I think is is a little much uh so yeah i mean he's a it you have to be a little bit patient there
0: well now that we're talking about the rams uh i think the one wide receiver that everyone is is going to be drafting uh the one rookie wide receiver that everyone's going to be drafting is Tavon austin the the short speedy fun guy randall cobb percy harvin type uh coming out of west virginia and denny you wrote an article on him do you want to do you want to talk a little about Tavon.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, just from everything the Rams have said uh, since they drafted him, um, it's clear that he's going to be coming out of the backfield. I think that there's kind of a um, misunderstanding that he is the Amendola replacement, which I know really like it fits like a nice little narrative. Like, you know, Amendola replaces Welker in the slot in New England and Tavon Austin replaces Amendola in the slot in St. Louis. I know that that like fits really nicely as kind of a puzzle situation to say, okay, well, I think I understand this, but it's really, that's not the situation. Um, uh, in in fact, I, I saw some film breakdown this week that showed why it would be a huge mistake to use Austin only in the slot. So he'll be coming out of the backfield. Uh, he'll, they'll use him a bunch of different ways. And I think that a team doesn't, doesn't burn a top 10 pick on a guy they don't plan to use it's uh i in my article for sports jerks i compared it to is, is somewhat of a similar situation as you know, with tampa bay and doug martin last year where they really sacrificed to move up to the the that late first round when they when they drafted martin uh, and then and then they did that and all you heard all summer were fantasy owners saying you know what i i don't want martin because he's a rookie back and this and that. But you have to remember that these teams make huge sacrifices to grab these guys, not so that they can rot away on the bench, but so that they can use them. So that's just something to keep in mind.
0: Again, if you look at history, rookie wide receivers are even worse than rookie running backs when it comes to fantasy value. Uh, I always throw this statistic out, but since 2006, only Mike Williams, Marcus Colston, and uh, A.J. Green in standard leagues have finished as top 15 wide receivers as rookies. So so you look at that, that's like a 2% chance that a rookie uh, wide receiver will finish in the top 15. But that doesn't mean that they're irrelevant because I think everyone knows that rookie wide receivers take a little bit of time to to, to develop. Uh, kind of like what we saw out of T.Y. Hilton last year and even Justin Blackman. Um, rest in peace, Justin Blackman. <laughs> yes. But... <laughs> but you know, I I think, I think that you know, people need to be patient with the Rams' offense. They need to be patient. Everyone's getting so overly excited about the Rams' offense, and they should be. I think it's a it's turning into a, a talented offense. Um, Brian Quick, another young guy. Uh, you got Givens on the other side. And Jared Cook's gonna be there. You got these three young running backs. It's a young, explosive, solid offense. But that's gonna take time to develop. Their defense is phenomenal, but. Their offense, which is what we care about because it's fantasy football, their offense, you know, you got to just be yeah. Also,
1: I, I just want to add, if you're writing off Austin as an IR uh, trip just waiting to happen, then I think you're really um, misunderstanding this. Misun- you're, you're definitely underestimating his ability to avoid huge hits. He has, He has no injury history. It's not like... It's not like okay well he does he doesn't have an injury history except for the ankle or except for the elbow or except for the concussions he really <clears throat> he hasn't missed a game i think he said the other day in 8 years of Yeah,
0: like since ever. Yeah,
1: yeah. so so what, eight years ago, he was like 11 years old. So that's.
0: Yeah, I think he was nine.
1: Exactly. So, so look, he doesn't have an injury history and he is fantastic at avoiding those decapitating hits that, you know, a a lot of guys, I'm sure, want to lay on a guy who's five foot eight. So just remember that and and don't avoid him for the injury thing.
0: I could just, I could just picture him in like a playground and peep these like. It's like huge fifth graders chasing after him and he's like running away. So he just like he learned the elusiveness and the escapability back in elementary school when he was getting when he was getting
1: bullied. Absolutely. You know what? And and it's 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 like it reminds me of uh Colin Kaepernick's ability to avoid the hit to get out of bounds even if he has to sacrifice a yard or two or three. Um he's he's really excellent at at avoiding those kind of hits. I mean, I I would I would want uh Robert Griffin the third to watch a uh, film of how Kaepernick does that because and, he does he does the opposite. Yeah.
0: And and Michael Vick. And
1: my, yeah, know. all those all those guys. I mean I mean Kaepernick and the thing is Kaepernick's a friggin' horse. So he can take that kind of beating yeah. but he still gets out yeah. of bounds. I think one no. thing
0: too now now that we're talking solely we turned this podcast into a uh a Rams offense podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rams here, Yeah, honestly. I think I think I'm just gonna avoid the. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I think that if we're going to be looking at our fantasy drafts, drafting for value, which is obviously what I love, uh, I, I honestly think that the 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 Rams back that I would want to own, given value, is Zach Stacy. Right. I, I just. Yeah. I don't. I don't see a reason because they could. They could easily, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they. I understand Jeff Fisher doesn't necessarily always do this. I think he's done it. He's had Jeff Fisher, if I remember correctly, out of his 17 years in the league, which is insane that he's been a head coach for 17 years, but out of the 17 years in the league, 14 of those years he had a non-committee system, uh, So, which is interesting. And, and, you know, he did well with, with Chris Johnson there, and he was the head coach when Lendell White was there with Chris Johnson, where Lendell White certainly had fantasy value that year. But I think that we could be approaching a committee system in St. Louis because each of those guys kinda of brings a different dimension to the game and given the fact that you have Tavon Austin too, who who can who can change things around, I, I just I think that, you know, the Rams offense is one that you kinda of gotta look at the waiver wire for once the season begins.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And and this actually, I've, I've always wanted to share this story on this podcast. And I think I'm going to just take the opportunity right now.
0: <laughs> should I play? I'll play some music whenever you... Yeah, <laughs> no, you should. <laughs> okay. Plug
1: that in. Uh, so, Lendell White. Every time someone mentions Lendell White and his, his value, I think he had value for like a year and a half in fantasy, right? So I, I took him and he was pretty useful. And I'll never forget... Benching him on a Thanksgiving Day in like 2007 when they played Detroit. And Detroit, the worst run defense I've ever seen. And yet I still decided to sit him for someone else who, I I forget who, which probably tells you something. But I watched that guy, I think, rush for three touchdowns, something like 120 yards and three touchdowns. I honestly, I almost, I almost vomited up my cranberry sauce and and, and turkey that day. Worst Thanksgiving ever. I still to this day, uh, my brother and I, my, my brother-in-law and I, know it as the Thanksgiving Day massacre because it was it was honestly the the worst thing I'd ever seen. So thanks, Jeff Fisher, for going to the committee for that one year out of your 100 years in the league and, uh, you know, ruining my Thanksgiving.
0: I, I'm, I'm fairly certain, though, that Lendell White made up for all of your vomited food by eating three dinners that night.
1: It, absolutely. And, and you know, just like, I, just like I cried in the shower that night, I'm sure he's crying in a shower somewhere right now. Oh,
0: he is certainly crying in the shower somewhere right now. There's, there is no doubt about it. We are doing bigger things with this podcast than Lendell White is doing with his life. There's, there is no doubt in my mind. Wow, that's where that went. All right, do you guys. Have- <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry, I, I that was way off the beaten path. No. He's
2: what? probably still doing better than like Ryan Leaf, though.
0: No, I don't know. If Flendel White is listening <laughs> to this podcast, I apologize.
2: <laughs> Sincerely, we should get you could get him to uh, endorse it though. Yeah, that'd if be he cool. Wasn't too pissed off. Yeah, that'd I don't know if we Lendell want. White. <laughs> yeah, do we, do we want Flendel
0: White? I, think- I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he'd just eat our podcast. <laughs> you would just eat it do you guys have do you guys have, uh, do you guys have any more sleeper sleeper fantasy guys the rookies, mean, rookies sleeper fantasy just just guys just tell me all your sleepers Denny
1: <laughs> all of them <laughs> okay. alright well, this is the four hour podcast so um... <laughs> you know I, uh, you know it's i honestly i i am i'm not informed enough on these guys quite yet to um to to go on a tangent about sleepers so i i'll I'll cede to you here JJ.
0: Okay, i there's two two guys that i want to just point out. One is Mike Gillisley uh who got drafted by Miami and i'm only saying this because as you noted earlier Denny there's not much of a comp, not much competition there so you never know what could happen if Lamar Miller, I, I've read that Lamar Miller. I haven't watched the film, but I've read that Lamar Miller, you know, isn't necessarily the best pass blocker, and that's something that Gillislee can do. So I think.
1: Shut, shut your mouth. He's great. He's fantastic in every facet.
0: So I think, <laughs> I think you know, whenever obviously when there's a flaw, then you look to replace it, and then if if he if Gillislee does step up, then who knows what happens. But the other guy uh, that I wanted to point out that you might want to look at. You know, again, a TY Hilton situation, middle of the season is my man in New Steeler Marcus Wheaton, who is a, a very uh, Mike Wallacey kind of player. He's not as quick as he is, but uh, he's definitely um, got got better ball skills than Mike Wallace, which doesn't say much uh, because Mike Wallace was was awful when when uh, the ball was in the air. But mm-hmm. but I, I think that, that Wheaton could could have certainly have some value given given the uh, the voids in the Steelers' offense. Um, so I think him and Wheaton and Bell are both going to be impact rookies for the Steelers, and that just just lets me know that they're not going to be very good this year. Right. Well, I, I figure
1: that you're going to take uh, Bell and Wheaton in the first and second round of every draft yeah. that you. To this yeah. Yeah. Because
0: I I certainly play the homework hard in fantasy football all the time. Right.
1: Great, right, your your uh, uh, Homerism will uh, you know wreak havoc on your fantasy. Yeah, I certainly project. saw some
0: a little bit of Homerism in the Roto World draft that I did today. There's a lot of a lot of St. Louis people. A lot of Rams won early, which was interesting. Uh-oh. Yeah, which is <clears throat> uh, hey Rams podcast. It worked. <laughs> We only talk Rams here. We only here. talk about Rams. We, but we're
1: I mean, like the fantasy hipster, uh, we're in Rams only fantasy leagues. The, so oh
0: that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Let me let me get their death chart. <laughs> I mean Phil, do you have any more guys? Are you are are we comfortable <laughs> um, with where this discussion Yeah, I
2: went? mean I, I definitely like um the guys that you brought up. Um I I still have plenty of research to do on uh the rookies. Um but if, if we'll mention a couple of non-rookies um, briefly, um, I, there's some people, there's specifically some wide receivers that I've been kind of targeting in drafts um, as, like, my last position pick um, just to see what happens. Um, and the first one's Ruben Randall, um, who I haven't been able to get all the time for some reason. Other people want to keep drafting him um, as their last position, too. Um, and then the other person's Mohamed Sanu, I might be saying. Yeah, Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like that. I, I think uh, those two guys, we could see hit. Um, I don't know that they would necessarily blow anybody away, but um, I think that they're two people that you can get absolutely free And, um, you know, they could be pretty useful.
1: Denny loves the word free. I do. I just love saying everyone's free. Everybody, you know, look at Zach Staley, free. Uh, That's true, though. You know, free. Um, But you're you're right about Sanu. Listen, I mean, uh, pretty much, um, I think if you put JJ on the other side of AJ Green, he would catch like 65. So maybe 80. Yeah, right. Although although
0: it. God, Andy Dalton. I have to listen to Cincinnati radio all the time because I live here, and it's horrible. Not like the the one of the main hosts here is great, but the the calls are just someone. I tweeted it earlier today, but someone tweeted or someone called into a radio show, and and was questioning whether Andy Dalton that he said that the the Tyler Eifert pick was a bad pick because it gives Andy Dalton too many weapons. Oof.
2: Like that it was, makes a lot of sense yeah I don't,
0: I don't know what that like like i was I was going back and forth with Joe goodberry i don't know if you guys follow him he's a he's a great guy, but uh you know he's a cincy guy and and he we were going back and forth, and could you just imagine Andy Dalton like just just like snapping the ball and just screaming too many weapons and then just falling <laughs> over like he's like i don't know what to do I don't know what to do. <laughs>
1: I no, I mean they—they they need as many weapons as possible to compensate for his lack of arm strength, his yeah. kind of waning accuracy. That guy—he's—he's—he's he, he's, he's bad, right? Can we just say yeah, that he's, he's bad?
0: bad? Yeah, he's certainly bad. I think it's starting to finally trend here in Cincinnati, and uh, people are—you know—people wanted them to get a quarterback in the draft this year, and I think—I uh, think that they might have made a mistake by not. But and they lost Gradkowski too to the Steelers. So, you know who who knows what will happen with Dalton. the The biggest knock on him is certainly his arm strength. He can be he's he's very accurate. But um, I I like Sanu as a as a sleeper as well. Given that he's opposite AJ Green, he's young, he's talented. Uh, but uh, one thing that we didn't really talk about is the impact that Tyler Eifert's going to have on Jermaine Gresham, and. I mean, it's. I understand that they want to go to that two tight end set, but it's not going to be a Gronkowski-Hernandez situation. I can guarantee that. No,
1: not at all. In fact, I, I think that Gresham needs to kind of drop off the face of the earth uh, as far as his ADP goes. Um, I don't. As far as think,
0: his as far as his athleticism goes. Yeah, I mean, I think I. I it was actually that playoff
1: game against Houston last yeah. year, yep. where he he really showed his the what what he lacks. I mean. Yeah. He was dropping passes. He was in the wrong spot. He wasn't able to break. He wasn't able to get off of coverage. I mean, he he was he was truly bad.
0: Yeah, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say athleticism. I should say toughness. Every time he went through the middle of the field, he just stopped.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was
0: it was really bad. I mean, other than the fact that they didn't throw to AJ Green in the first half, that that game was just. I mean, the fact that that's the lasting image of of the Bengals offense to Bengals fans. I mean, that's that's almost as bad as. Actually, no, it's not even close to as bad as me watching Tim Tebow throw that game-winning touchdown in overtime. Never mind. Oh,
1: no, you, you uttered the name that shall not Name. <laughs> oh, God.
2: Now this is a different podcast. <laughs> now that we're talking Tebow. Wait, does this mean... Does this
0: mean Tebow's going to the Rams? I don't get yeah, it. No, well, if he if he, <laughs> if he goes, I mean, there's a clear. We've talked about it. There's a clear, a clear opening potentially in the in the running back situation in St. Louis. Maybe Tebow goes there, and then he can join our All Rams league. Oh my God! You
2: started a vicious rumor. This is unbelievable. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I would Put, I would quit fantasy football.
0: I would <laughs> quit. I would, uh, just I would
2: uh, swear it off.
0: Yeah, Who, but we are doing this, so we have. We have the the points per block league. I don't know, Phil, if you if you listen to that one, but we have the points per block league, uh, and then and then now we have we have the all Rams league, right. which
1: the, yeah, it's very specific and pretty much uh, if you don't get like Jared Cook Bradford. You know austin and givens then you're you're pretty much not going to score more than like three points a week
0: i'm pretty sure uh, although the roto nick mencio and roto pat would be very good at at the uh the rams league i think that's true i would not want to play them you're right i mean the uh yeah no uh,
1: mencio uh, roto pat and uh fantasy hipster would clean up in that league
0: yeah yeah hipster's been playing that league i think since 97
1: <laughs> <laughs> he'll probably correct you on that i don't know
0: yeah we'll see all right, well, I guess it's time to move into uh, my favorite part of the podcast. Phil, Phil has the pleasure this time around of sitting back and listening to us rant about the ridiculousness of fantasy football. Um, Denny, do you got something that you got to get off your chest?
1: I do. It's funny you ask um, because I do. Um, <laughs> so that, <laughs> last time we had a podcast, uh, we talked about um, – people saying, uh, that, that certain players are kind of, you know, dead to them. Like, uh, you know, McFadden, right, the, 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 the man who broke, uh, Phil's heart. Um, you, you have, uh, Ryan Matthews, Akeem Nix is another one, Larry Fitzgerald. And so people have compiled these lists, uh, of guys that, that they will not draft no matter what happens in their, in, in their drafts this, uh, uh summer. And so I, I sort of looked into, um, I don't know, the thinking behind that, the psychology behind eliminating choices for yourself, and it's actually, uh, as they say in psychology, a thing. And here's, um, (laughs) um, here's uh, what it is. It so um, someone Barry Schwartz, who's a psychologist, wrote a book in 2004 called The Paradox of Choice: Why More Is Less, and it's. Uh, basically talking about um, the psychology of consumerism uh... uh wherein you you are happier with fewer choices all the choices that we have from movies to jeans to you know stuff on netflix is it, it, it actually makes us unhappy because we're uncertain of our decision we don't know if we're making the right decision because there are so many options so i i read about uh, why more is more is less and um, decided that this is the kind of um, psychological trap that can really uh, hurt a fantasy football owner. I, I wrote about it for the fake football if you guys would like to check it out. Um, and so I wrote a, a column saying in fantasy football, more is more. The more the more open you you leave uh, yourself to to drafting more players, the better off you'll be. Now, I'm not saying that you have to draft them um, before or at their current uh, average draft position, but I am saying that if they drop to where they are a value, kind of like JJ took Aaron Rodgers in in like the fifth or sixth round of of our uh, sports jerk mock, uh, sports jerks mock. Uh, then, then draft them. I mean, there's there's no reason if you're going to get a good price on a guy, n- not to take them. So I think it's. I I, I just want to emphasize again. I know that that these guys have hurt hurt you deeply. They've left emotional scars in your soul the way that they crushed your fantasy season last year or the year before. But you just have to keep your mind open and remember that if you can get a deal on a guy like Ryan Matthews then you should take them and you know one one interesting part uh, when I tweeted this out I got a lot of positive response where people said wow you know this really made me think and you're right I I should uh, consider drafting player X but Ryan Matthews is dead to me I'm never drafting that dude so and this is not just about Matthews this is about anybody uh, who um, you know? Who had a bad season last year, but has you know better prospects for this year? Uh, it, it's important <clears throat> to to not eliminate your options. Uh, if you do that, it'll be psychologically comfortable, but you're really hurting your prospects.
0: Awesome, that is you're so you're completely right. And the Netflix thing definitely hit home for me there with yeah. the. With a psychology piece, you never. I mean, how thought, often, right? How often do you do you get on Netflix and you're like, I can't even make a decision because none of these movies are even real movies anymore because there are so many of them.
1: Right. It's it's a huge first world problem, first of all. And, oh yeah. And se- and secondly, it is a problem. I mean, the the fact that you can go to the grocery store and and I'll stand in front of the frigging coffee creamers, for uh, for 20 minutes looking at 25 options,
2: you know. Yeah. And yeah. And,
1: you know so that
0: stresses me out
1: so anyway so yes less is more in consumerism maybe but not in fantasy football
0: I think we just all need to be just move to Russia or China
1: China <laughs> right. either well, we, one right we can move to you know 1987 Berlin maybe yeah
0: that would be good It'd be, <laughs> that'd be promising <laughs> yeah, can, can, can we can we draft an all Rams league there <laughs> <laughs> I think so <laughs> All right, well, I've got something that I have to get off my chest too, Denny and phil so there there are people out there that are making some really dumb statements uh you know I think that they're you know they're doing it on facebook they're doing it on message forums they're doing it on Twitter, and I think that they're doing it all for the wrong reasons now. When you make a statement, it certainly can be bold. I think bold statements are are fine. They're great. You know, someone might say, "I think Shane Vereen will have a better fantasy season than Stephen Ridley." And if you look at how Bill Belichick be- Bill Belichick has used running backs throughout his coaching tenure, and the fact that Vereen has actually was actually drafted ahead of Ridley, you know, it's not as 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 though the statement is one that's completely absurd. You know, it's it's a fair bold statement. Now, you make these bold statements because you believe them as truth. And, you know, sure, they may be a stretch of the imagination a bit, uh, but you, you make them because they're sound and, and there's some sort of truth within them. Whether, you know, last year we saw with Peyton Hillis and Jamal Charles, you know, a lot of people thought that Peyton Hillis was going to be a fantasy viable running back. And although he wasn't, I think we all saw the logic behind that. Now, what people shouldn't do is make these bold statements because they want to differentiate themselves. So, you know, over the past few weeks, I've noticed it more and more, especially with the draft. You have writers, experts, whoever, and they're all just trying to be different. And they're trying to be different by making stupid comments. Now, I work in marketing, and I know what it's like to try to differentiate yourself, but you don't want to do it in an idiotic way. You don't want to make outlandish statements to, sell your, to set yourself apart. You do things the right way, come up with something unique and thoughtful, and then move forward with it. So stop. Stop saying that player X is going to take over for player Y when player X only has one leg. Stop pretending that Tim Tebow is something that he's not, and stop saying that kickers are valuable in real and fake football when in fact they're not. Do the right thing, write good content, say meaningful thoughts, and good things will come
1: very well said and yes there are way too many stupid comments that are supposed to be bold on the twitter on the twitters these days
0: I, it 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 really does blow me away i mean i i don't think that people realize that when they make those stupid statements and sure i might make some i might say something really dumb sometime on twitter and i hope that i'm drunk when i say it because then that way i can say i was drunk when i said it but you know i i think that people are making or saying these things on twitter Especially because we're on Twitter all the time. But I think people are saying these things on Twitter and they're not they're, – they're saying it just because they want to get interaction with people and they want to see – but then they start backing it up and they start like just forcefully talking about this side of this argument that is so stupid and so dumb to have. and It just blows me away. Yeah, don't, don't troll.
1: Just don't troll everyone.
0: Yeah, it is. Why does every single rant of mine have to do with trolling in some way?
1: I don't know. You know, and and you, you said that you hope that you're drunk when you say dumb things. And it, I mean, that's most of the time. Right. So it's yeah,
0: it's like ninety seven point eight percent of the time. <laughs> right. Right. Which is
1: I need to talk to you about that after the uh, podcast. Phil and I are concerned. Well, but
0: Hey, so, you know, we've made this tradition where we meet in West Virginia at the end of podcasts to uh to get a milkshake? <laughs> and,
1: right. no, no. Well, the reason we say West Virginia, first of all, it's not some weird thing. It's uh, uh, it's still
0: a weird thing. Don't the, get me uh, wrong.
1: The, the casino. What's the casino in West Virginia? Uh, oh, the,
0: the one in Wheeling.
1: Yeah. It's races and the Slots. Rivers? Uh, no, that's in Pittsburgh.
0: Charlestown. Races and Slots. Right. Okay. So
1: that, that's where we go and be degenerates and share milkshakes. But there's nothing wrong with that, guys.
0: Nothing. And I think tonight, Phil, if you want to come along, then you can join us as a, as a thank you for coming onto the podcast.
2: <laughs> That'd be fine. That'd be fine with me. <laughs>
0: Good. I'm glad that Phil is enjoying the milkshake as well.
1: Still one straw, though. That's, I, I'm, I'm laying the law down. One straw.
0: One straw. Okay. All right. <laughs> Time to get our milkshakes. Thanks for listening, guys. Phil, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So I'm Denny. I'm Denny. Wow. What? That's the way that that just ended. <laughs> <laughs> that's Denny. That I, meaning the person on the other side of this, of this podcast. That's correct. Denny, where can they find you? Uh,
1: right now in my basement. And then on the internet, <laughs> I'm, on, um, I'm on Twitter at CDCarter13. And I write for thefakefootball.com and sportsjerks.net. Uh, occasionally for Rotoviz and about fourteen other sites. So, pretty much just Google me and you'll find forty-five different sites that I write for.
0: Man, this guy's everywhere. I'm JJ Zacharyson. Find me at Late Round QB, LateRoundQB.com. Pro Football Focus. New books coming out soon. I'm excited Uh-oh. about that. That's fun. It is fun. So, so uh, yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. We will catch you guys hopefully in a week or two.